I was capital S T R E S S E D. I was stressed like the whole time. And we're the The ghouls ghouls next next door. door. (laughs) Yeah, committed. We did it. Yes. Welcome to the Ghouls Next Door, the media analysis podcast uh, from a horror lens where we explore historical, scientific horrors that influence our cinematic ones. Uh, This is a new month, so we tied up our anime series. But we didn't quite let it go because <laughs> today we're going to be talking about an anime. Um, but we're we're talking about a new whole new topic uh, that is quite horrific um, in a in a, a new way. <laughs> it's cl- truly uh, traumatizing <laughs> for us to watch these films and know how real they are and how unavoidable it is and what it says about people. <laughs> it's the whole time. Yeah. Weather murder is probably, other than ocean murder, one of my most feared things. Like, I don't know if people were, I feel like I said it in one of the episodes, but I used to have like drills, like weather preparedness drills where I would leave my family to die every time um, because they didn't want to hide in my closet with all my beanie babies. (laughs) But I would prepare like a go bag and hide in my closet every time it rained. So I was like, it's definitely tornado hurricane, like fire NATO is happening right now. Um, (laughs) If I do not get in my closet with, yeah, exactly. With like my beanie babies and a water bottle, um, I'm not going to make it. And I've resolved the fact that my family will not hide in this closet with me. So if I have to survive the post weather murder by myself, I guess that's what we're doing. Um, yeah. And that was like, probably like age five until like 14. So <laughs> it was a solid amount of time where I was just like, every time it rains, we could all die. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking specifically about natural disasters this month. So we're going to tackle different ways that the earth and environment are trying to murder us because it's mad or it's just in a mood, you know, and I get it. What, you know, what are we? What are we to the to the earth really? Parasite. Just a nuisance. Yeah, <laughs> just a nuisance. Yep. Um, I come from Florida, which I don't always like to mention. Uh, but you know, we have hurricane season. We're not going to talk about hurricanes specifically, but I'll probably bring up some of those experiences because they've, you know, drastically, you know, had effects on my life <laughs> as, as someone who's a yeah. Floridian. Um, I remember when I first came up here, it was within the first few years of being here in Philadelphia that we had Hurricane Sandy and I was like, they're following me now. Um, we had an earthquake here in Philly, my first year here. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, what is happening? It was a whole time. This because- is wild because we're not even in the realm of where earthquakes generally happen 
Yeah, it was super bizarre, but I was like, I didn't even know that could happen. Because w- when it happened, <laughs> um, my mom used to live in this, uh, in her house where she had this really uh, robust washing machine. And so when it was on its final cycle and it would like, you know, spin to dry, it would kind of shake a part of the house. So if you were like sitting in that part of the house, it would like shake. So there was like, I had an incredibly delayed reaction when the earthquake happened because my brain was just like, oh, the washer. (laughs) And then I was like, oh no, I'm not at home. What am I supposed to do? And after it was over, I remember like peeking out and looking at all like my roommates, which I had too many. It was very, you know, there's a lot of us in that house, uh, peeking out all my roommates. And we were all like, we should have been in the doorway or like, un- like none of us reacted appropriately. <laughs> we were so yeah, delayed, like, supposed to like do a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But that was, that's honestly the only interaction I've had with earthquakes um, here on the East coast. Um, and I vaguely remember being worried when I traveled to San Francisco once, but it didn't happen. But I was just like, this is a place where that could happen. Yeah. I, I I never experienced, like, I know I was here when they happened, but I did not witness, it. like, I, my body was just like, nothing's different. Um, like, I did not realize the earthquakes happened until the internet told me they did. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't feel, and I feel like if I did ever, like, if, say, I was born in California, but I actively reject that, um, in that. Not that I was born there, but that, like, so much weather murder happens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was not, I maybe should be more equipped because I was born there, but I'm not. I feel like if an earthquake happened in real life, I would panic way more than is appropriate. Um, really would just think death is happening now. Uh <laughs> Not listen to any of the things that I'm going to advise other people to do today. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so today we're going to be talking specifically about earthquakes um, and what that means, what they do, how to survive one of them, and also talk about media that covers uh, earthquakes and their effects. There's quite a lot of earthquake-specific films um, that exist. I would say some of these other, like, natural disasters it was hard to find media for um (laughs) because like people aren't really taking it seriously or they were like funny things um but today we're going to be talking about the the anime japan sinks 2020 um which you know was far from comfort tv during the pandemic (laughs) it is definitely not that it was also affected by the pandemic in some ways um specifically in that there was supposed to be mention of the 2020 Olympics in Japan and it, they were like that's not that's oh, delayed yeah that didn't happen <laughs> we can't that's not um which is super real right uh and to think like a different kind of you know event could occur that's so dramatic um instead of you know Japan since 2020 um but yeah we yeah, well, let's, why don't we jump in to our content? We're doing things a little differently from what you might have seen last month with our guests. We're going to start with our film analysis, and then we're going to dive into cat section where we'll actually talk about, like, what is an earthquake? What does it do? How do you survive? What's Yeah, <laughs> you know, what, why be what? scared? Yeah, why is it terrifying? Because it truly is. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the media for today's episode. So the first uh, thing is uh, the film we're going to talk about. 
An earthquake in New Orleans opens up a series of fissures around the city. A family discovers there is a greater danger at hand. A species of giant, fire-breathing spiders has evolved deep underground, and the seismic activity has awoken them from hibernation and allowed them to cause mayhem on the surface. That's that's not Japan saying 2020. That's <laughs> that is arachnoquake, which is... <laughs> Absurd. Uh, absurd. What are these? There are so many ridiculous films in which there's some type of natural disaster that awakens or changes the way that certain creatures uh, exist. And in this case, it's fire breathing spiders, which is not the only instance of fire breathing spiders <laughs> that we'll probably hear about. Um, but I thought that was fun because I was like, oh, it's so fun. Uh, that is not what. That's so. I feel like. Any fire-breathed spiders, even if it's a funny movie, I would be so horrified the entire time. Yeah. It's not, 100%. it's not, it's, it's absurd. And I can't imagine what it looks like uh, on screen. Um, but I think it would be really fun to play in that, to be like, oh, the fire-breathing spider. Yeah. Like, Should be an actress. Calling with giant spiders. Ah! What part of jumbo spiders don't you understand? Time to show daddy long legs how we roll on the bayou. And how rude. How rude. You know, like you're trying to survive. There is an earthquake. Everything you know and love is dead. And now there's also spiders. Like why we, why? Rude. The breathe fire. <laughs> the breathe spiders. Like not even just normal spiders yeah. that are terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I will, here's a real summary. I hope you guys had fun with that one. Uh, Japan 6 2020. An ordinary family is put to the test as a series of massive earthquakes throw Japan into total mayhem. From director Masaki Yuasa, who also did Devilman Crybaby. Devilman Crybaby, but I like to say Devilman because it's fun. Uh, and, uh, this is the first anime <laughs> adaptation of the best-selling uh, science fiction novel by Sakio Kom Komatsu, um, which I will talk about at length, uh, but it is, uh, I'd actually kind of recognize the art from Devilman Crybaby, um, but it was like, I haven't, I've only watched like two episodes because it's a lot. <laughs> Crybaby is a lot to deal with. I pitched it loosely for our anime section, um, but just couldn't really, I couldn't figure out a way to weave it in to the way that we approach media. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it, it's it's fun, and this is like so different from that, in in the way that like the it's more realistic in the way that the art is happening because Devilman gets really weird. Like there's those really strange like body movements and the way that you know the body is portrayed. It's kind of body horror in a lot of ways. Gotcha. But he you know uh, took on you also took on this, which is based on that uh, it's one of many adaptations of the novel um, by Komatsu. So this is a <laughs> rather heartbreaking anime that cuts to the heart of the effect of natural disasters on people. I, Kat, like, offhandedly mentioned, she actually spoiled in an earlier episode. I don't remember which one it was, so I'm sorry <laughs> for anyone who did it. She spoiled something That's real. That, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> in, like, episode two, I think it was. Uh, it, where you were like, oh, and then this thing happens. And I was like, what? what? And so when I watched it, I knew that was going to happen, but I was still absolutely just like, that is so rude. Devastating. This is the way this happened. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot do this to me. Um, it, it's it's really, um, 
like I said, heartbreaking and you, you feel really intimately con- connected to the family and it's an honest portrayal of what happens during that, that I felt was really authentic because, you know, a lot of the times in disaster films, we spend a lot of it like running from the thing or m- the majority of it, like next week we'll see is like people avoiding the truth and then it happens and it's like oh you know and we only get like five seconds in the trauma um whereas this because it's a tv show it takes a lot more time we can spend more time with the characters and the fact that it's still going like it's not just one event it's 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 several events and they all have like these repercussions and other things that come from it like earthquakes are the cause of like everything so um there's this bigger thing that's that's happening. So we get to spend a lot more time with our characters um, dealing with a lot of the trauma surrounded with it, which is super authentic and great. Like I said, it is adapted from the novel um, Japan Sinks by Sakio Komatsu, but it does take a different approach from the book in that uh, the the uh, book was kind of created as a warning for about imminent disasters that await Japan, which Kat will explain in her section, like what those <laughs> horrors are, yes. like what it, it is very real. <laughs> and that's what you'll find, like, you know, in this section and also in the film, too, is this is not like just fun and games. We're not making, you know, put in the rock in a San Francisco movie about earthquakes just to show cool effects like this is real. This is actually a scientific you know, uh, representation of the truth so that we can, you know, educate people. Um, But the novel specifically, it's backwards on here, but the novel specifically follows um, the scientists and the politicians who are dealing with the earthquake um, and the impending earthquakes and kind of the politics that go along with um, kind of talking through the possibility of it and, you know, the delaying tactics and, all the things that go through it. So similar to like Bong Joon-ho's uh, The Host, uh, the TV show Chernobyl, which we talked about briefly at some point, yeah. and even Godzilla, which counts as an earthquake film. <laughs> Look it up, Godzilla is an earthquake film. Uh, those all seek to like explore how governments or like the higher ups are handling the natural disaster. So it's like what decisions are being made from up here to like save the people or, you know, not acknowledge the dangers that are right in front of us um even though the scientists are telling you like there's so many like this really reminds me of chernobyl where like the first few episodes are them being like this is going to happen it is dangerous it is scary and then it's like it is happening it has happened what are we going to do and people being like it's nothing happened there's nothing to be worried about what are you talking about um and so the 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 book was similar to that so we'll also see in like next week's episode about how, you know, they'll also delay uh, certain reactions because they don't want to alarm people and they want to avoid panic. Um, And so then like the scientists or the people who are, you know, calling it out often get gaslit or dismissed because it's like, no, 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 you're overreacting. There's no way that something that big could happen or, oh yeah, something that big could happen, but it's not happening now. Right. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> but it is. Let's talk about it. So um, the first thing I want to unpack in this series is does the content that we're covering accurately represent the horrors of a natural disaster? And so I found in an article on the 
uh, NYU Gallatin from writer Naho Sakami explains the novel's influence on the differences between the novel and the show. Um, and so it's titled Japan Sinks. And in it, uh, it explains that Komatsu's novel was actually really timely in that it served the purpose of informing the public of the re very real threat of an impending earthquake. So um, in the article, they say that he, Komatsu, began writing his story in 1964, which collides with the first science uh, journal publication on seafloor spreading in continental drift. And 1969 was the first article published on plate tectonics. It was only in the middle of the 1970s that the Japanese geological community gradually began to accept plate tectonic theory. And it took another decade for it to become widely accepted. So this takes place in the 1970s. So he was like, at the head of the game of being like, this is something that is being scientifically yeah. proven and people aren't hearing about it like right away. And so his decision, Komatsu's decision to follow a scientist um, specifically struggling to get government officials to listen and seriously consider the impending disaster is strategic. Like it was the point of um, actually critiquing what was happening in real life at the time. And because at that time, it was very likely that many would dismiss or misunderstand the gravity of the situation. Um, Sakami, the, the writer of this article, goes on to explain that this explains why um, Komatsu presented Tadakoro, which is the scientist in the novel, as a geophysicist that studied abroad instead of a geologist. In Japan's sinks, Tadakoro was laughed at by the cabinet members and other Japanese scholars, and the only reason they do not entirely dismiss his idea is because he must be smart since he is re recognized by the U.S. science community. Japan Sinks presents real-life conflicts and differences in scientific understanding. In terms of the general public's understanding, Japan Sinks must have played a huge role in spreading the knowledge of plate tectonics through millions of copies sold and viewed in theaters. So as far as like, <laughs> all of that is to say, is this accurate in its representation? Yes, because the whole point of it was to inform the public about this natural disaster in a way that would be understandable for them. So yes, it was being in scientific journals, um, but there was a different way to to um, show that, get that information to the public, as well as, you know, get ahead of any kind of pushback to be like, you know, government, if you're going to push back on us about what we're showing you, uh, we already predicted that you were going to do that in this book. <laughs> so, um, you know, I also, unlike most disaster media, where the science and the actual event kind of take a backseat to the people-focused plots, the book and the many ad adaptations that followed were intending to do both, um, where it was like, this is very heavily science-related, but it also shows how people are going to react to the situation, and it shows us the truth of what lurks beneath our feet and explores the effects it has on humanity. The other thing I want to unpack for this series is what this film or media is trying to tell us about humanity, because that's the gist of what we do here. Uh, so <laughs> in Japan Sings 2020, it decides to, it, it takes a completely different route in that it decides to ignore the higher ups completely and instead focuses on a specific family that is fighting to survive. And so in an article that I found on Asahi Shimbun uh, titled In 2020, 
reboot of Japan Sinks, The Disaster is No Longer the Star by Atsushi Ohara. Um, it goes on to talk about director Masaki Yuasa um, in his decision to change our story's protagonists from the scientists who are in the higher ups who are making these executive decisions and actually put us right in the middle of the action to the people who are being affected by it. And so he said, the original novel confronted Japan with fear at a time when the country was living it up. But now, after we experienced the 2011 earthquake, the fear is real, Yuasa said. So I thought I should portray how people think and live in a world where Japan has sunk instead of taking an omniscient point of view. So seeing exactly what people are way more aware of now in 2021 than they were in 1970, because we have already experienced those natural disasters on a smaller scale than what is predicted. But it's like we know even what these small ones can do. And he also goes on to say, I thought it would be realistic when people have no time to accept the deaths of their loved ones and have no choice but to flee from the spot, feeling the sorrow and fear that comes afterward. Um, because, you know, through their experiences that we as the audience get to see the heart of the issue that arises from natural disasters, um, which is the, the anxiety and fear and the loss of your community and your home and the people that you care about and the fact that you have to just keep going. And that was like really impactful as a viewer to watch because like we have to live these experiences alongside the Mutos um, and live in the same anxiety as them. Like we don't even know who's going to survive. And no one is safe. Like our their protagonists yeah. that are are the head of this story who die and just just die in these really graphic and and in honestly like traumatic ways. Like I was capital S T R E S S E D. <laughs> was stressed like the whole time uh, yeah. because I I was just like what like no one is safe and you're you're forced because especially in binge culture right to kind of consume the whole thing so you're also kind of rushing as well because you want to know what's next like you're like i need to know how they're going to yeah. get from point a to point b and i think us does an incredible job of moving us forward through the action and showing the vulnerability of people fighting to survive because we see people die in these like brutal quick shocking ways um and because we have to keep moving forward like we alongside them don't even get a moment to grieve so there's a lot of times where they are just pushing forward and they have to kind of put aside their survivor's guilt and those moments that they could have took to grieve and just move forward and try to survive. And we're also doing that. And I think there was a very yeah. human way to portray these characters that like, like, cause you know, the mom in this is like, awesome. She's phenomenal as a mom. And uh, there are times where, you know, she has this disagreement with her daughter because she isn't, grieving the like a character the way that she, the daughter feels like she should um and it was super real to be like I don't I can't I have to take care of you <laughs> like I can't feel bad I yeah. can't be sad like we have to survive and I know it seems like I'm being insensitive but I literally have to shut off that part of me in order for us to move forward um I also think like you know last month we talked about the beauty in anime showing us this ability to give us uh, emotional and realistic villains, right? And in this, the bigger villain is, you know, the earthquake, right? But I think the show actually shows even more real villains in that it shows our fellow humans who are adapting and reacting to the trauma. Um, because I think 
what hit me the most when watching the show was not the natural disaster or even the deaths, which were quite impactful. Instead, I found myself caught up in the idea um, specifically of Japanese identity, which I was not expecting when I came in. I was like, oh, I'm so emotional. There's this family. I get it. But there's all this little weaving in of of what the Japanese culture is and what these Japanese people are experiencing and just Japan as a whole, because it is Japan yeah. sinks, right? Like, it's not just like, oh, a natural disaster happened. Japan is sinking. Like, it is going to be gone. Um, and so there is a strong critique against nationalism. And if you're familiar with our show here at The Ghouls, we're strongly against nationalism yeah. <laughs> most of the time because it can be really toxic and harmful. Um, and we, you know, believe we're all one people and that if we can set aside those things. But there's another part to that in just being, you know, uh, proud and acknowledging your culture and history and loving it and appreciating it and then being like harmful yeah. to other people because they're not that. <laughs> right. Like they're, you know, and I think the show yeah. really approaches both sides of that coin really well. Um, there are so many instances where we see this these harmful ideologies at play, like including a ship that won't allow anyone who is in a full-blooded Japanese person on it, um, excluding our entire protagonist group because they're a mixed family, um, because the mom is from the Philippines. So in that same article with um, Asahi Shimbun, O'Hara goes on to say that the series, which introduces the character of Ayumi's mother as an energetic, optimistic woman from the Philippines, also doesn't flinch from the stark side of Japanese society with scenes depicting discrimination against non-Japanese characters and Japanese trying to exclude them, um, which happens quite a lot. And I think like, though we're, uh, you know, given that look at some of those toxic ideologies and like people who are like, this is the perfect way to be. And if you're not that, then you're, like, you're out. It kind of reminded me yeah. of the blood quantum where we were talking about, like, you're stacking the pebbles and it's like, yeah. they're, you know, that's not the same effect. It, it, that's what, how I felt when I was watching them is like that they're saying, like, you are t you're reducing us to pebbles. Um, but we also see um, a critique on the loss of Japanese culture and pride, specifically with the character Go, which is the youngest member of this family, who's like this little nerdy boy who loves social media and technology and um, is uh, really appreciative of Western culture and has aspirations to leave Japan and has all these like offhanded ca uh, comments about how Japan is like not that great uh quite often and like he just doesn't like it he's also mixed um and so he probably has some effects from people um that like off screen probably had to deal with that as well but i think like even with him and in his interactions throughout the show he is interacting with characters who are proud of their Japanese heritage and they kind of instill that in him. Like you should be proud of this, like you should be proud of the sumo wrestler or you should be proud of the, like you should enjoy the food. You just didn't have the food right. Yeah. You know, like those kinds of things. And, and to, to show him and by extension, the audience, um, what to value in this Japanese culture because it is at risk of being lost forever. Um, and so I think even like in the end, when we see there's an attempt to rebuild, there's intentionality in preserving the beauty and history of Japanese culture, um, which would just be lost with the island, which is another critique in the, the yeah. in, in it, in that like, if we keep ourselves, you know, in our little islands and remote and away from the rest of the world, then we're also going to be away from the rest of the world when 
when there is danger and that we're at risk of losing everything by being so exclusive. When I when I'm watching this, I was thinking of uh, the tactic in war when they like burn down libraries uh, or museums and things like that to like yeah. kind of like that's a tactic. It's literally there to like erase your country's history and the, what made your country that like the your memories of your country. And Japan sings 2020 uh, has this really great way of blending uh, and having this balance between criticizing the toxicity of nationalism, which only has praise without criticism of your country, uh, and just and with that discrimination yeah. of the other. And like this push for the need of an appreciation and an understanding of one's culture, um, which is like a hard thing to do, to do both. Yeah. And I found that very inherent in the work. Um, another big departure from the novel, which is due specifically to the time in which it takes place, because the novel and other adaptations, which are direct um, adaptations from the, the book, are from take place in the 1970s. Um, and this takes place yeah. in 2020. <laughs> so, of course, there's going to be a difference. Uh, the big difference is that they use social media and technology as a means of connecting people. So we have um, a character who quickly becomes a favorite, I think, um, who is a YouTuber. Right. And he's like, I was wary of him. <laughs> and I, he was he was a big surprise. Yeah. How smart and fun and sweet he was, because we I, not to generalize, but people often associate YouTubers with culturally insensitive brats um, who kind of exploit other countries for clout. Uh, think Logan Paul when he went to the Aoki, yeah. Aokigahara um, forest and recorded some really sensitive things there with no understanding of the culture. Whereas Kato in this show has an intense appreciation for Japan and the other places that he visits, even more so than Go at times, where he's like, you don't even know yeah. how amazing your country is. And I'm going to tell you, because as an outsider, I can see that. You know, I can see what the beauty is because I don't have that. You know, and also simultaneously being like, here's some things from where I come from. It's beautiful and great, but it's it's not the only thing. Like, <laughs> there's beauty yeah. everywhere. And I think that was really amazing. Um, he was like a breath of fresh air <laughs> during this. I was like so worried. Um, but technology plays a really important part in this in keeping people informed and connected. So videos and photos are used to preserve Japanese culture and history. But are also there to hold the memories of the people that we lost and kind of recreate them. Like we talked about in one of our um, apps uh, episode about resurrecting loved ones through technology. It's like we put so much of ourselves online and in these photos that we can preserve life in a way. Like we can revisit yeah. people we care about in this very unique way using technology. But on the other side of just preserving memories, it's also used as a form of information gathering. So people use Twitter and other social media to get information of what's happening around them so that they can make decisions to uh, communicate with one another and strategize towards survival. Because it's like, okay, the left of this island is danger. That's what they're saying on Twitter. Oh, we're getting news that we should go to X location yeah. because there's someone there. And the only reason they can do that is because they have social media, which is phenomenal. And it's like, again, that's only going to happen with the 
the fact that it exists in 2020. Um, another article that I found, or well, actually Kat found, <laughs> thank you, Kat, uh, is on uh, Thrillist, and it's titled um, Netflix Disaster Anime Japan Sinks 2020 is the Perfect Metaphor for This Bad Year. Uh, and it is by Campbell Campbell. And in it, they explain that by the end, the show's critique of Japanese nationalism as the real doom of Japan is crystal clear. The archaic desire for isolationism and purity not only meaning death in the short term, but in the long term too. The series posits that without connection, there is no memory, and without memory, death is truly the end. A lot of that memory is enabled through digital technology, which here mostly exists as a way of personal connection, remembrance, photos, and videos becoming loaded with meaning and history, especially in a time where a lot of people are holding together through the usage of such digital communication, Japan Sinks truly hits home. Um, and that's to speak to the fact that we're currently living in a time where we're all connecting to one another because of technology uh, and are able to do this virtual thing. Yeah. Like you're, people are not in my face. Kat is not in front of me, but she is in the way that we're able to be close yeah. to technology. Um, but I think overall, though this is taking place 50 years after the original media, the horrors of an earthquake destroying Japan, uh, threatening to erase its history and culture and the impact it has on um, human lives hasn't changed much at all. Like the bear, like that yeah. bear part of the story is still very much there. It's just how do we react? Um, what do we find more important? What can we do to change it? Um, how can we continue to find hope? Um, and, you know, I think the powers that be are still more likely to dismiss and delay information to avoid panic. That's just kind of what comes with that. Um, and I think mostly is that this media, the Japan Sinks 2020, is doing the same thing that the book sought out to do, which is be used as a tool for education. Um, only this time, it's not just the scientific and political horrors, but also the personal ones. And I think what we can learn from this anime uh, that the uh, novel and other adaptations missed is that humanity can prevail and that there is hope and we can support one another and grow and rebuild it because we have that technology, right? Because that's what they use in the end is like, we can replicate yeah. what we lost with the the historical, like, <laughs> um, like the feeds, like we're using everyone's social media to recreate what this place looks like. Like we wouldn't have that in 1970. So I think that's one thing that's like super hopeful and cool. And I really loved about it. Yeah. I mean, it's also like interesting. You have like this, uh, the science really plays a part and then like there is a way, as you said, to like preserve it. But that uh, I was when you're talking about Twitter, I was really thinking about how like during the protests, Twitter and like Instagram were used as like ways to communicate roads that were like blocks that were safe, like mm -hmm. that didn't yeah. have heavy police presence. Um, uh, and that it's all very like quick and live. So you're able to really track where things are going. So that's I mean, outside of your phone battery die like it is a really useful tool in disaster or emergency scenarios to really like stay connected with what's happening and that's both positive and can be really overwhelming as i think like you and i can both attest to from the start of the pandemic like i would spend hours looking at articles on updates on like what's happening uh mm -hmm. but that I became many like Twitch kind of streams. like obsessive yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it can come, become kind of obsessive when you're dealing with like the shock of the initial issue. But yeah, uh, 
this media does a really good job at showing it and was really stressful and made me cry more than once. Yeah, I um, cried. I legit cried. I was like, this is so re-. I had to take breaks in between certain episodes and like put in something happy for a minute because I was like, whew, I was I think after like the one episode that you spoiled, Kat, we actually took like, I want to say several weeks before we jumped back in because I was just like, I don't know if emotionally I'm in a good place to watch yeah. this. You really have to be prepared for for sadness. Yeah, it's very heavy. It's definitely very real and very heavy in that like the tragedy is very human tragedy like and death happens as unexpectedly as death happens in real life um and when characters are lost you kind of just have this like as they did the show does a really good job as you were talking about like showing how like you don't even get a second to fully grasp the loss that just happened and you just kind of have to keep going mm-hmm. um but what i'll get into in my section which is definitely very real is that there's definitely this underlying thing where it's like the government, did they know that this was going mm-hmm. to happen? Did they like, I think that's like the theme of the book is like the government kind of dropping the ball on uh, this earthquake is going to happen. Are we preparing for it adequately enough? Um, and what's interesting is that now that the technology has advanced to what it is, is like there are predictions for Japan specifically around large earthquakes that could trigger other natural disasters such as tsunamis or um, I believe Japan actually has like a handful of volcanoes, things like that, uh, that uh, could be activated if such a large earthquake were to take place. Um, So I guess I will get into what I was going to talk about, which is what is an earthquake? I I feel like I always knew the answer to this, but I didn't know how to eloquently explain it. So we're going to thank Michigan Tech for their helpful information on earthquakes called Why Do Earthquakes Happen? Um, and it goes on to say earthquakes are usually caused when rock underground suddenly breaks along a fault. The sudden release of energy causes seismic waves that make the ground shake. When two blocks of rock and two plates are rubbing against each other, they stick a little. Uh, they don't just slide smoothly. The rocks catch on each other. The rocks still pushing against each other, but not moving. But after a while, that not moving builds up pressure. And when the rock breaks, that's when the earthquake occurs, during which, uh, before, like during and after, the plates or blocks start moving. They continue to move until they become stuck again. So the spot underground where the rock breaks is called the focus of the earthquake. The place right above the top of the ground is called the epicenter of the earthquake. Um, and I think the most scary thing about earthquakes is that they are the trigger for a lot of other issues. Um, they are also have the capacity to be man-caused. So if like with drilling or interacting with the spot or the fall of the tectonic plates if people have explosions underground this can trigger seismic activity we'll talk about this more when we cover um the wave next week but uh there is ways that humans can interact with these underground explosions such as like I guess if we have mines, if they collapse, roof of walls collapse, uh, that can tr- trigger like underground seismic activity. Not to the same extent of tectonic plates causing it, but it can also trigger it. And especially in areas that are coastal, like most of Japan, that can result in really like dangerous things. Um, so why do earthquakes happen? 
The CDC outlines this is called staying safe during an earthquake, the section of their website. There are three necessary steps they say are almost always able to happen, which is to drop cover and hold on. Um, they do go on to like kind of outline instances where this isn't a thing, uh, specifically if you were outside, uh, I believe in like tall buildings, stuff like that. But they outline that on the CDC website if you are interested. But essentially the drop down onto your hands, knees before the earthquake knocks you down. This position protects you from falling, but allows you to still move if necessary. Cover your head and neck and your entire body if possible underneath a sturdy table. We actually see this shown in the anime when the son hides under the, well, he tries to, he was in the hallway and he rushes to the dining room table to hide underneath uh, so that nothing can fall on his head. Uh, hold on to your shelter or to your head and neck until the shaking stops. Be prepared to move with your shelter if the shaking shifts around. Um, there are instances where this is not possible. We kind of see in the anime that the daughter, she's in a room filled with lockers. There's nowhere to hide underneath. All these things kind of like fall onto her because of the magnitude of this earthquake. Um, so there are some instances where, unfortunately, there's no real good thing you can do other than just try to hold and protect yourself um, as best as you can and hope that you were okay at the end of it. And then afterwards trying to find somewhere safe to go. Um, but if you are interested, if you have a deep seated fear of earthquakes and as I like to call them earth shake murder, um, is one of the many ways that the yes. earth can attack us. Uh, you can go to the CDC website and kind of learn more, but, why does Japan make a lot of earthquake national disaster films? Uh, it's actually pretty spot on to put it simply. It's because Japan's experiences a lot of natural disasters and it is situated in an area called the Pacific Ring of Fire, which is a string of volcanoes and site of lots of seismic activity that surround the edges of the Pacific Ocean. Pacific Ocean, not specific ocean. Oh my gosh. It's to be expected that living in such an area would influence the media being created. Um, according to National Ge Geographic, roughly 90% of all earthquakes occur in the Ring of Fire, and the ring is dotted with about 75% of all active volcanoes, which I thought was terrifying, on Earth. Being situated in this ring makes adapting to these kinds of natural disasters a part of everyday life and necessary for survival. Um, in an article titled, Tokyo will probably face a massive earthquake in the next 30 years. The only thing they can do is prepare, written by Jake Sturmer and Yumi Asada. They go on through some of the many earthquakes Japan has experienced over the years, but also the very real risk that Japan is situated in with a large earthquake taking place in the next 30 years. Uh, it goes on to highlight the Tokyo Yokohama area in which is known by the Swiss reinsurance company, by far the most earthquake threatened area uh, with potentially more than 30 million people affected. Um, with this looming risk, the government has modeled potential impact of various earthquake scenarios, mostly with the understanding that thousands of people will die and even more without preparation. So kind of the impact of these earthquakes will very much depend upon the preparation that takes place for the earthquake itself, but also the imminent threat of tsunami after said earthquake. Because once the seismic waves are released, it can affect well, as we'll talk about next week, the impact of tsunamis. Um, I 
said earlier, I'm not, I've never experienced an earthquake firsthand. I believe the one that happened in Pennsylvania, I was in a car or asleep. Um, and I did not know that they happened. And I still to this day have not felt the effects of an earthquake myself. And I will say it is 90% of the reason I'm like, no, I don't need to live in California. I don't want to know what that is. I don't know what it is. Like, like I'm very scared of it. Um, and I, there's definitely many times I'm like, why on earth would anyone live under constant threat of weather murder? Like, I very much relate. I was like, humans used to be nomadic. I don't know if it was to avoid weather murder, but I feel like that was definitely a part of it. <laughs> so in an article titled Japan's fantasy films act as a buffer against reality in the natural world written by Thomas Santanel. Um, he actually highlights Hayao Miyazaki, who does Spirited Way, uh, Ponyo, a million other amazing films. Uh, but he kind of outlines why my fears are kind of silly in that, like, this is stuff that happens naturally in the world. Um, so in this article, he quotes Miyazaki saying, there are many typhoons and earthquakes in Japan. There's no point in portraying these natural disasters as evil events. They are one of the givens of this world in which we live. I am always moved when I visit Venice to see that in this city, which is sinking into the sea, people are carrying on regardless. It is one of the givens of their life in the same way that the people of Japan have a different perception of natural disasters. While that did not make me think like, hey, right now... I need to like adapt to weather murder at any point. Like it is very true that like, this is a natural thing. This is something the earth is going to do with us or without us. Like we are not the deciders of what the planet is going to do and trying to manipulate the planet is not going to result in victory for us. Like all that we can really do is prepare and adapt around these scenarios. And you kind of see in the anime that like, Sometimes does that like it's going to happen, like disaster is going to happen regardless. If the government knew about the fact that Japan was going to sink, should they be preparing the population more? Yes. Um, but you also have this idea that like panic and quality of life. If you're constantly terrified of these things, what would that be like? Um, but I think it's really interesting the perspective that Miyazaki presents, because it's honestly very real that. There's a resiliency and like strength in humanity to adapting to these things. Otherwise we would not still exist in this world um, without this kind of resiliency that comes from just adapting constantly to the way the earth keeps changing. Um, and I think also just acknowledging our contribution to the intensity of these natural disasters. Um, while they are natural, I believe we have way more hurricanes than we used to have. Like the weather itself, mm -hmm. weather murder <laughs> is yeah. way more up uh, in terms of ways that we have influenced the environment. Um, and there are also ways that humans can interact with the planet that causes like movement in areas that we wouldn't necessarily want to have movement but yeah it's very yeah. scary it kind of reminds but me also of, hopeful <laughs> yeah um it kind of reminded me of neon genesis evangelion where it was like the angels are you know the next evolutionary thing and they're like we're here to just you know do our job which is to take this over and the fact that humans were like no like you know a third of the population remained and they were still like, 
we got to keep on trying to avoid complete annihilation and preserving like each other and the hope that it was. And that's why like at the end, there was this like, you know, you know, philosophical hope uh, in that like we can prevail as humanity um, just because like we can remember, right? Like other as opposed to other animals, yeah. right? Like they're not going to remember. They don't have value in culture and remembering and, and history, right? That we do. And so as long as we can continue to preserve that, we can continue forward and we can replicate it. We have the science to replicate history and, you know, preserve it in that way too. And I think like the the film does a, or the show does a really great job of showing like so like all the aspects of a natural disaster because i think so often we get caught in the spectacle yeah. um like i had this conversation with mike um about how i was like oh when i was looking up earth earthquake movies godzilla popped up and that's because to japanese audiences yeah. godzilla is an earthquake like that's what he is representative of and like the way that their government handles those situations and that it's like it, he's also man-made right but to an american audience when we have godzilla it's like big monster fight like it's it's so much more about this like <laughs> we're yeah. not learning anything <laughs> we're just doing you know that like thing so i think um it, it was such like, a, wow, a good cool way big of, monster man yeah, like, and now it fights other big monster. Woo! Uh, instead of it being like we're talking about natural disasters and, and our ecological effect on the environment, uh, <laughs> those things too. Um, which is why I'm wearing I'm wearing my recycling earrings. I wanted to. <laughs> oh, cute! Yeah, I thought they were people are trash earrings. I wasn't sure if that's what it meant. It could be that I don't as have well. Good but they're like a little recycling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's true. People it's are also cute. trash. Um I, I was pleasantly surprised by the turn of it not just being like, oh, it's scary, right? <laughs> you know, like, oh, big, you know, disasters are scary. <laughs> uh when things sink and there's, you know, it's an unstable ground and people you love die. It was so much more than that. It was like like again, there was like an earthquake movie with I think the rock and it's just like it's just spectacle it's just yeah for like look at that you're not really learning anything it's just like it's like when we send we have what sunshine or whatever where we sent a nuke to reignite the sun like that's just fun that's not real <laughs> science yeah. and it's not you know like I don't understand why the it's also like of, we're actively afraid of it <laughs> yeah yeah and why can't astronauts learn how to mine versus teaching minors how to be astronauts like that's that doesn't add up to me but <laughs> yeah this is um and the other thing i watched that made me think of this when you're specifically when you're talking about man-made interactions is a film where we will not cover probably because of cats a uh, uh, like fear of the ocean um underwater yes. with kristen stewart no. uh because they're no. mining the whole thing is that they're mining and they cause this disaster they awaken things and they cause disasters and the whole thing was this piece against the propaganda of you know uh natural gas <laughs> like you know us using our resources and destroying our planet um with you know like it's also stressful like fast-paced action film um but that was also i was pleasantly surprised because i was like whoa this is like bioshock <laughs> this to me is like yeah. we're subliminally talking about like 
propaganda and like big gas, <laughs> you know, like, and also there's monsters here and we, and the underwater is scary. Why would we be there? Um, the so ocean like, yeah. is so scary. You were live tweeting me while you watched that. And I was like, in no world ever, ever would I want to watch that film. Um, yeah. That same goes for Poseidon. Um, uh, yes. I just don't think I could do it. I just, I, I, I don't think my brain has the capacity to not immediately dissociate um, as that movie begins. Um, yeah. But it, I mean, it's really, it's real. I feel like people feel like humans humans feel like they are it they are the hottest thing on this planet you know what i mean like they're the they're the doing it they're like the planet will do what i want kind of deal and it's like (laughs) the planet's been here shut up like and it's it's gone i think it's like yeah and it's like sad because disaster i mean is what disaster is it's devastating you know you have people you love who are dying but that at the same time the planet is doing what the planet's gonna do like it's it's doing it, you know what I mean? Like it's gonna murder all at once because it was here first. Mm-hmm. It is a giant horrific murder beast, and it's going to do what it wishes. And we are either going to survive said things, or we won't. And the world will go on, and it's sad. It's all get out, but the planet the planet decides. The planet yeah. is the hottest thing on this planet. You know what I mean? It's not us. Mm-hmm. We're not forever. Eventually, humans won't be anymore, and that's just gonna be a thing. Yeah, and whatever and maybe- other creature <laughs> that is born will be like, "What was that? What are these pyramids? What is this sphinx? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna yeah. see the things that are left behind and be like, "That's strange." Yeah, or like maybe they'll see like the social media. And the technology that is, a you know, the history, like if we are able to preserve that, right, then we, you know, technically mm-hmm. still live on, um, we would just be a story. Um, but yeah, it's very true that like the earth is just going to The robots are the next. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because it might be, you know, the, we can mess up the earth so much and then at some point it's just not going to be suitable for us. But the earth's still going to be here. It's still going to be doing stuff. It just doesn't yeah. have people on it anymore because <laughs> we all killed ourselves. Like. This is how it works. Um, and so it's like, I, I, you know, this this media serves to to kind of warn us of that and to warn us of like the isolationism and to mm-hmm. value where we come from, but also to be open and, you know, understanding that we need each other. Like we are at the end of the day, all humans, we are humanity. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, what do we do with that? <laughs> so and I think this whole series is going to be a lot of that. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about tsunamis, uh, which scare Kat and I very much like I and I. Yeah, I love the beach. Again, I'm from Florida. I like grew I up hate on the, the beach. beach. But yes. <laughs> I grew up on the beach. I've been on cruise ships. I watched Poseidon. I was very scared. Uh, and I, I don't know if I'll ever be on a cruise ship again because of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's real. So we'll talk about tsunamis next week. We have a bunch of other uh, natural disasters to talk about this month. So I hope you enjoy it. Make sure that you like and subscribe and, you know, watch your other stuff. Um, we need to leave the ocean alone. Yeah. Let it yeah. let it be. Never go into it. Just stay far, far away. Yeah. And also like you know, we isolate ourselves green from energy. Ocean. Stop 
you know, yes. siphoning the <laughs> the fl- things from our uh, earth that is kind enough to let us live here and, <laughs> you know, stop doing that and then we'll be fine. Yeah. I'm like, history will remember what it does. We can't, we can't change it at all. We can try. That's all we can do. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we die and no one remembers our name, then it's sad. But it's what happens all the time. Okay. <laughs> right? You remember your family and it's your job to carry the memories on. That's it. It's your job to put them in the closet when you don't be like, not everyone gets a bench. <laughs> all right. You know well, I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. I know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you could, if if just for no, if if you're gonna memorialize me as a bench, don't make it a bench that has like the houseless person architecture where they put like the bar in the middle or they make it so people can't sleep there. Like just so you know, just putting it here. No, it's bench for anybody. Yeah, if there's a bench with my name on it, anyone can be firmly Yes. I wish to be be a tree. tree. I want my ashes to be put with tree and then I grow Mm -hmm. into the flower leaves that happen. And then hopefully (laughs) gross humans do not cut down myself that exists as tree now. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Um, That's my dream. Excellent. I'm just <laughs> letting you know. That's the dream. So uh, that was our episode about Earthshake Murder. Murder. Our episode on Earthshake Murder, which yes. is real. It's scary. It's awful. And so next week we'll talk about uh, water, water crash murder, too much water, real fast <laughs> murder. Uh, and yeah. yeah, so make sure you drop, give us a comment as well. If you like this, if you have, you know, disaster yes. preparedness plans, please share them with us so that we can be more prepared as well. Okay, well, don't get married. Yes. Do it. Delete your kids. <laughs> or the Bye. earth will. <laughs>